When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here with a special Tuesday edition, February 5th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find The Bridge as bonus content under The Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or really wherever you get your podcasts as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, we're all over Super Bowl 53. Why the Patriots won. Why the Rams lost. Who's to blame for the losers? Who's to blame for the winners? And more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? We don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week of athletics. Well, maybe a little caveat to that. Exciting in the fact that the Super Bowl happened on Sunday. Not so much exciting for the game itself. And we will get into all the X's and O's, the reactions, the game itself, the halftimes, the commercials, our biggest takeaways and disdains and etc. But for now... It's time to just say hello. I'll have you kind of take the floor a little bit. I think both of us will end up getting into some sort of rant as the show goes on, but we'll start cordial. It's good to have you aboard, and it's good to talk about our first Super Bowl on New Report, Old Report. It's always great to be with you, Johnny, and and, this is really a perfect example that the show uh, is a microcosm of what we saw yesterday with uh, the old guy against the new guy, and, and here we are. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this, I, I'm not saying it didn't live up to expectations. I really don't know what people expected. I expected a very competitive, hard fought, and I actually thought it was going to be an exciting game. And I don't mean 45, 41, but I thought we were looking at 30, 23, 31, 24, 27, 20. And I, being the old dog, I can live with the defensive struggle. You know, I can live with 17 to 10. I can live with 13 to 10. But, but the problem I had with this game is it was one of the most, for lack of a better term, vanilla athletic events I have ever seen. There was nothing, anything remotely resembling spectacular. There was nothing extraordinary. There was nothing now, look, I, I don't need to see eight flea flickers. All right, it's 17 reverses. But is there a jet sweep? Is there a wide receiver screen? Is there a slant? Is there, you know, Belichick is known for the flea flickers. All right, we didn't see anything from anybody. All we saw was you know, the usual in the big spot, find the little man. Uh, you know, over the middle, wide open on second and third down, go to Gronk occasionally in a big spot. They ran the ball a little bit. Their numbers were inflated because of the last drive where they rushed for about 60 yards. And the most intriguing, most curious question that arises out of this Super Bowl is the inquiry, the curious case of the missing Todd Gurley. What is the deal? Two weeks to rest this time. Yours truly put the futures play or put the the prop play on him as the MVP at 18 to one. 
Well, there, there was the jinx right there. We should have known. Thinking off of two weeks, very effective against Dallas. I figured two weeks rest. To me, he was the key to the game. I thought if the Rams were going to win, it was going to be Todd Gurley pounding away for 100-plus yards, keeping the ball out of Brady's hands, keeping their offense off the field. Instead, we just never saw it. We saw a quarterback who was pressured constantly. We saw no quick throws. We saw no adjustments, uh, you know, from the boy blunder uh, calling the plays for the Rams. Uh, Belichick went with more zone than normally because they played more man-to-man than anybody else in the National Football League. And he just the Rams seemed com- completely and totally confused and out of sorts. Their, their offense was not that great a couple weeks ago against the Saints. It was absolutely horrific yesterday. No time for him to throw. So did they go with shorter, quick drops, get the ball out of his hands? No. Did we see any quick slants? No. Did we see any quick outs? No. All his, all even his, even his good throws were late. Everything was late. What should have been the touchdown to Cooks to make it seven-three, which he did not react to very well at all. I mean, you got to go get that ball. Stayed back and he waited. McCourty came out of nowhere, hit him shortly after a split second after it got there. Again, that throw was late. Very late. A couple throws he completed to Woods. Late. One that looked like Belichick was, we thought Belichick was going to challenge because Woods didn't get the second foot down. Uh, he didn't challenge it, so they got the completion. But that throw, the reason it, it was technically incomplete, is just late. Ball was taking forever to get out of his hands. Uh, deep drops. Couldn't find anybody. Uh, continually took sacks instead of, and said, look, he's a kid. I understand. No experience. But his coach, did nothing remotely resembling the job to put him in a position to win. We always talk about the coach's job. Put your players in the best position to win. And, you know, the play caller extraordinaire was just totally and completely outcoached by the old Fox. And it wasn't even a contest in that regard. It was a contest because we had a tie game at 3-all. And look, I'm not bitching about officials. Didn't cost anybody the game. But, you know, first and 10, Todd Gurley up the middle, 12 yards, 13 yards. First and 10, Patriots 45, 3 3 in the fourth quarter. And there's a phantom holding call against the center who was locked up with his guy and then just pushed him down. And instead of first and 10 at the Patriot 45, it's first and 20. They wind up punting. Pats take the ball, go down the field for the winning touchdown. Not outcome determinative, but a call that I didn't see and could have been uh, the Rams real, to me, it was the backbreaker for them because that was their chance. Well, that was they had an a chance example right of- then and there. To take the ball, to, to, to take the to take the game over, so to speak, keep their defense off the field for a few more minutes and get the lead. And after that call, they just fell apart. That was also an example of if you're a Rams fan, you're watching that game going. We need every break possible to go our way to come on top of this game. And when that holding call goes against you, you can't have that happen because you're not going to. Did be you able think? Did you think that was? A- I didn't think so. No. I, I thought like you did. It was, it was out of the ordinary for that to be called at that point. They hadn't really had a focus for penalties necessarily all game long. At that point, I was shocked like, oh, we're going to call that now. Interesting. Now, there was a Patriots holding call before that as well that you could also argue was not the greatest. I didn't think if there's a, a silver lining to the officiating, I didn't think necessarily – there was enough to say, like, this was one of those games where you could look to the officials for really no, changing the game, but not. it was still a big part of the game. A- 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 absolutely not. The-, the worst call of the game was the first call of the game, which was the defenseless receiver when it was a screen pass and Rams defensive back made a tremendous play in the backfield that would have resulted in about third and 20 
for the Pats. Instead, they called him a def- catching a screen pass. He became a de- five yards behind the line of scrimmage. He, he somehow became a defenseless receiver. So now I guess you you have to wait for guys to catch screen passes before you hit them, and that results in the automatic first down and led to uh, the uh, the missed field goal. So that was some poetic justice there. Right. But that's that's I, what you call I, a makeup call, but I'm surprised it happened two weeks after the makeup call that they were they were trying to get. Same cornerback, same situation. Uh, you missed that two weeks ago, folks. Cost them the game. So we'll get one out of the way in the first quarter, and that'll be the makeup call from the Saints game. Great. And he play, he played a very good game, by the way. I agree. And for someone that I didn't really know much of until last week when you start, or two weeks ago, I should say, when you start hearing more of the stories of where he's come from, et cetera, he did play a very good game. And I like the way that you phrased this game at the beginning. A very vanilla game. I'm 29. I haven't watched 29 Super Bowls, obviously. The first Super Bowl I turned on, you might remember this game, a certain Jay Elway led the charge to beat the favored Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre to win his first Super Bowl of his career. And that is why I'm a Denver Broncos fan. It was really Helico- whoever won the game. Helicoptered his way towards exactly. the Exactly. The way the announcers and broadcasters, rightly so, were building up John Elway toward the end of his career. He's already been to the Super Bowl. This would really mean a lot. I was like, boy, this storyline's great. I kind of like this Denver Broncos team. The blue, the orange, they had a lot going for them. Then they went again the next year, and it was like, well, this is the greatest sports decision I've ever made in my life. Well, you know, there's been a couple ups and downs, to say the least. Hashtag thanks Peyton for Super Bowl 50. And we can get into that a little bit on how they were able to slay these New England Patriots with a certain Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator. Saw a lot of flashes of Wade throughout this Super Bowl game with the Rams defense, but that's why I'm a Denver Broncos fan because of that Super Bowl. Things go a different way. I could be rooting for the Packers, but I digress. Of 20, we'll say 22, 23 Super Bowls that I've watched, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I think this was the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen in my life. Just overall aspect of the back and forth, the is the game going to change sides? One team does something, the other team responds. You don't really know where the game is going to go. This was horrendous. And I text you during this game, this is brutal. And of course you said, I love it because you like defensive games. And of course you would. (laughs) To me, this was a, we go to halftime, you could have turned the channel and and watched the Puppy Bowl. The only reason you stayed with the Super Bowl is because the respect that this was the Super Bowl. If this was a regular season game, midway through the second quarter, you're changing the channel and finding something else to watch. It was preposterously bad football for viewers and I'm not saying that I want a 54-51 back and forth Monday night football whatever that we had against the Rams and the Chiefs that was fun and a lot of people say well why do you love that game that had all that offense and not love this game that had all that defense well let's not forget that Rams Chiefs Monday night football game also had three defensive touchdowns scored within it there was defense This was just a, who's going to do anything? Who's going to do something? Who's not going to punt after three runs and we're already three and out, we're punting again? Who's going to get a first down? You're just begging for people to get to midfield. The Los Angeles Rams, the second coming of the greatest show on turf, which the announcers, to my knowledge, did not say yesterday, which means that bet was a loss if you had, will the broadcasting crew say the greatest show on turf? They did not. Very disappointing. For everyone to be that excited about this Rams offense, for it to turn basically a 360-degree reversal to what that was yesterday, that's not what we wanted to see. I mean, there, there were mo- points where when this, the Patriots did their thing, and that's what we can call it, they did their thing. They, they remained calm, cool, and collected. 
They waited for their right moment. They had the drive that they always had. It wasn't under two minutes, which might be the only thing that was different about it. The find Edelman, find Gronk, punch it in with a run for a touchdown. After that happened, it was like, well, that's it. The game's over. I had no confidence in the Los Angeles Rams to be able to answer that one touchdown that put them down 13-3. to three. That's, that's not great football. This, this will be remembered for me. And I, I'm, I'm sure people can come up with a couple different games. I just didn't know that the New England Patriots somehow on defense turned into the 1985 Chicago Bears, which beat the New England Patriots in that Super Bowl, 44 to 10. And the only reason why this didn't beat that as far as the best defensive game is because, unfortunately for the Bears, they let up that, you know, garbage time touchdown to make it 10. This was the best defensive performance in Super Bowl history. This was the most the Patriots have won a Super Bowl game in their however many they've won now. Six. We, we know the answer. By 10, the stats are crazy. We had to sit through four and a half hours to get to that. So one of the main storylines for me throughout all of this, this has to be the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched. It has to be. It, it was that bad where you just didn't expect anything to happen. There were no glimmers of hope. Well, maybe this drive, they'll figure it out. It was that bad. The Patriots played very poorly, but to me, as the game wore on, you just assumed it's the New England Patriots, it's their experience, it's Bill Belichick. If they're playing that badly and they're okay at this point, they're not going to relinquish this lead, and that's what ended up happening. Well, I thought the Ram defense did a terrific job uh, you know, it was another Wade Phillips, uh, again, proved that he's certainly a Hall of Fame caliber defensive. Incredible. Player, that's for sure. Because the schemes he came up with, um, yeah, obviously, you know, you know, made his 10 catches and, uh, you know, Edelman is your MVP. And not unexpected. You figure he's going to have uh, a number of catches. Uh, in big games because that's Brady goes to and underneath is seemingly always open in this league, especially the way they run their offense. But it wasn't damaging. Nothing they really did was damaging. They had the one big drive to take the 10-3 lead on the long throw to Gronk, which was a beautiful throw, uh, which if the safety was there sooner could have been picked up. But excellent throw, excellent catch. But it, it just seemed like there was no flow for anybody offensively, a little for the past, but not a lot, but it just seemed like the Rams never made any side adjustments, never did anything different, never used their speed to go wide against the defense that supposedly is not that strong going from side to side. You know, in terms of they say you got to make the Patriot defense run laterally and make them cover, you know, the hashes outside the hashes. And, and they did not do that in any way, shape or form. They never ran the ball wide. Uh, an astonishing watch because nothing was changing. Three or four different times minimum. The Rams had third and two situations uh, in the midfield slash other side, plus side of the field, where, you know, you're in a situation where, remember, this is rambling, gambling, young stud. You know, when we saw him go for fourth and short, all right, deep in his own territory, uh, you know, with a quarterback sneak a while back to win a game. Right? Uh, everybody thought he was going to punt earlier in the season. So on third and two, four or five different times, threw the ball. Okay, once, maybe twice. How about you try and run twice on third and two if you don't get it on third down? How about you give the ball to Gurley on third and two, see what happens? He gets a yard, you go for it on fourth down. Where was that? Bang him, bang him, bang him, bang him. You can't establish the run if you stop running. And it just seemed like they gave up the running game. But there was no reason to do so. Now, you've got more inside information than I do. So are, are we going to find out that Todd Gurley is, was so, after the game? I'm fine. 
you know, want to be a big part. I'm okay with what we did because, you know, I mean, everybody's got to contribute. You know, he, he's the coolest superstar who's not touching the ball in the history of sports. Guys want the ball. Girl, he says, oh, that's cool. So, you know, coach's decision. He's not bitching. How, why is he not getting the ball? Now, he looked okay to me when he was running the ball. I saw a couple nice runs. You know, one that got called back, one other one that was a nice run. Looked to hit the hole well. You, know, you got third and two. He's your best player. Give the guy the ball. Well, your success has been measured off of play action, which is a result of him running the ball. And if you're not going to give him the ball, then stop with the play action. Straight to drop back, get back quick. All right, get it out of your hands. Right. Two, three step drops, slants, quick outs before they can bring the pressure on you. Sight adjustments, nothing, nothing, nothing. It never, ever happened. And yet, they're only down 10-3. They're on the move. To his credit, Goff makes a great throw. And, yeah, his hand got pulled a little bit, but you can't call anything in that scenario. That's, you know, way, way, way too fast in regular speed. Cooks could have caught two touchdown passes. He caught neither one. The first one, you just got to go up and get. Got to go up right. and get to that ball. You got to get there before McCarty gets there. All right? And pull it in because you're wide open. You know, you got to go to the ball. When he's in basketball, come to the ball. Come to the ball. Go get that ball. Snare it and take the hit. Instead, he stays back. He gets both hands on it. Then he gets walloped. And what should have been a touchdown is only 3-3. The next one, great throw. He's there. He's open. They come over late. They pull the arm. They pull it out. I say you got to catch it. He doesn't. Next play, blitz, and you know, Goff throws it up for grabs. And, of course, he's, Gilmore makes a play on the ball, and Cook's got no idea the ball's even in the air. Right. So I thought Woods was their best player offensively. I thought he played a very good game. I thought he was strong. Uh, he maximum effort on yards after the catch. Every time he caught the ball, he made a couple terrific catches, including that one on the sideline that probably was not a catch. I thought he was uh, in it throughout. No reverses to him, no jet sweeps to him, uh, nothing quick over the middle to him, which we saw in prior games, especially against New Orleans. We didn't say any of that. So I'm lost uh, on the way the uh, the boy genius uh, ran his offense. Uh, I thought Belichick just was completely prepared and they never adjusted. They never made any attempt to adjust. And he really put his quarterback in harm's way and didn't do anything to get him out of harm's way. So I put this pretty much uh, the brunt of it on McVay. He gets all the credit. So now he's got to take the heat because I, I thought he did a terrible job because uh, it's his offense. Right. I thought he did a terrible job with the offense yesterday. And uh, a game that was eminently winnable, plain and simple. You told me you're going to hold him to 13. Where do I sign? Exactly. I mean, that's that right there is why you have to put it on McVay, because if, the, if you told everybody before the game, Pat's are only going to score 13 points. Hell. So we got to score two touchdowns, please. We're Super Bowl champs. Couldn't get it done. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The interesting thing you mentioned about Todd Gurley is we had Tracy Wolfson on today on ACC Today on oh, Sirius XM ACC Radio. First of all, she's okay <laughs> because she's, she is tremendous. She is. And she made a beeline. She tells the story. She was on the Rams sidelines all game, which we'll get to. And it's great that she was. But she's watching at the end of the game, making sure when Brady takes the knee and is going toward wherever he's going, she's got to book it to get to him to make sure she gets this interview. And obviously – Tom's been through this enough to know this isn't his first rodeo. He, he knows that there's going to be an interview coming. The unfortunate part for the whole situation is CBS goes down to Tracy like right away. And we know after football games, the head coaches meet up, they shake hands, 
But then the players go and try to find each other and say their goodbyes and congratulations as well. This was a quick toss to Tracy. So she's down there trying to get Tom's attention, and no one is keeping anyone in line. The NFL security was more worried about making sure Barstool Sports and Dave Portnoy was getting thrown out of the game and wouldn't be part of those festivities than they were of making sure there was enough room between the players trying to have congratulations and the paparazzi, what it turned out to be, trying to get the pictures and the recordings. So she's down there, and we hear live on television. They throw to her, she says something, and then it's, you just hear, get back, get out of the way. And then Tom is saying something to somebody, and then, are you okay? We're moving here. We're getting a hug here. We're hearing well, all of this. There's and, just and, and dead I'm assuming silence. The are you okay? Was for her. I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. Then and there's you there's the, you kept hearing the guy say, "I got you." Like, right. I, I think it was the security making sure you know he's telling her, "I got you." Because no, it's not you. it's to not just sure, her. To make sure she didn't get trampled. She has an assistant that is with her, and she said like she looked into her assistant's eyes, and her assistant's like petrified because this is the first time she's doing this, and obviously there's arms, legs cameras going in each direction there's the cameraman it's chaos but you're trying to get the best shot obviously this is going to be the the first thing we see as fans after the game i was surprised how early they went for that i'm sure this happens in big games all the time we just don't hear or see that it happens like by the time the camera goes down for the interview everything's kind of cleared away and more relaxed it's not the immediate like i just got here i'm trying to sneak in between these people and we just hear chaos happening i'm surprised a producer somewhere for cbs didn't say like well let's throw it back to jim nance and tony romo in the studio for like one more minute and when tracy's good she'll let us know no, we were down there for the whole soiree. But anyway, so she gets the interview with Tom Brady. Everything goes great. But as I mentioned, she's on the sidelines for the Rams all game long, checking out Todd Gurley, trying to get answers, asking whomever, the trainers, players, coaches, anybody, is he hurt? Is he okay? Not getting anything definitive. Sean McVay comes out of the locker room, second half. Obviously, one of the first questions is, what's the story with Todd Gurley? Is he all right? Is he going to get more action the second half? No, he's fine. He's not hurt. We just didn't do a good enough job of getting him the football. All game long, it was the same narrative. According to her, during practice throughout the week, and this is obviously something great to get her insight on because we don't see this day to day, and there's really not that many people that get to see the practices, he looked okay. He was still explosive. He, he, he was his, himself, but you can tell, like, coming in and out of the huddle, he was limping a little bit. So something wasn't right. Not to say that this was an injury severe enough that he couldn't play through, but he wasn't 100%. And we've heard stories that he hasn't been 100% since the first game of the season when he hurt his knee, and he's been battling that throughout the whole season, just something that he's been able to overcome in a sense. So that's an interesting storyline in the fact that I'm not sure why everyone is so afraid to hide this injury. What's the big deal if you just say, like, well, you know, his knee's a little banged up. We're powering through it. He'll be okay. The narrative became, is he out there as a decoy in the Super Bowl? He had a lot more touches than C.J. Anderson. If he's not healthy, what's he doing out there? And if he's not healthy, you have to find a different way to run your offense. And we mentioned this two weeks back. We were talking about the game, and I said to you, to me, sometimes the Rams' offense is a lot of smoke and mirrors. On the defense, they've done more than enough to load everything up and strengthen it. Tlaib was back healthy. They have one of the best inside rushes in football. They're okay there. The offense, though, to me, was a lot of Sean McVay smoke and mirrors to make Jared Goff look a lot better than he might actually be. And that was only saying that because we still don't have a 100% read of what Jared Goff will be as a quarterback. We lost a year or two with Jeff Fisher, obviously. Now we're just starting to get into our own of, wow, this guy might not be that bad. Jared Goff might be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But he also has Sean McVay. So we don't exactly know what we're going to get from Jared Goff. I think it was a lot of smoke and mirrors and Todd Gurley making this offense click to the best of its ability as it did. 
come Sunday, we lose Todd Gurley for whatever reason. And, I mean, there were runs that he had. You mentioned the one that got the hold. He looked okay. He still was explosive. He still was getting sometimes 13-yard carries, 12-yard carries. Obviously, something was wrong. I don't know if he asked to come out for the plays he wasn't in or how much of a decoy he was. But with him out of the game, it was up to Sean McVay to figure out what he was going to do with Jared Goff to figure out how we don't have Todd Gurley, where are we going to go next to become successful? What surprised me most about this game, and we talked about it again two weeks ago, was, or last week, really, the Bill Belichick, Sean McVay back and forth, to me, was going to be fascinating. The problem with that ended up becoming Sean McVay didn't fulfill that end of the bargain and change, not, at least from what I could see, anything about his game plan. We've read, and I think it was, several people did it. Peter King had a story in his Monday morning quarterback about the Patriots on the drive that they ended up scoring on used a jumbo formation and spread it out and ended up running that formation like four consecutive plays, all that reached completions. It was a formation and an offense that they had not practiced all season, but one that Josh McDaniels was confident in and told them, listen, I know we haven't gone over this, but I just have a gut feeling this is what we need to do to be successful on this drive, and it results in a touchdown. To me, at least from our knowledge at this point, the Rams didn't have that moment in the game, whether on defense or offense, to be, wow, look at them doing this, or I can't believe they did that, or how surprising was it that that worked? Contrast you know, that, contrast it was that with two weeks ago when they held the Pats, the juggernaut Kansas City offense, scoreless for the entire first half. Right. And lo and behold, Andy Reid adjusts. And they wind up scoring 31 points in the second half. So you, the adjustments are there to be made. Uh, they just weren't enough. Again, more weapons at Kansas City? Probably. Probably so. Kansas City at home? Yes. Kansas City is a better quarterback? Absolutely. But, again, adjustments made to combat the Belichick defense, which had you completely shut down in the first half. You get your high-powered attack going, and you put up 31 points in the second half. Here, no such change at all really only two drives all day the one for the field goal that should have been a touchdown and the last one that resulted in the interception that could have been a touchdown and then the ill-advised throw it up for grabs against the pressure so it was just and this is not to discredit the Patriots regardless of what you think about them. they they this is not to take anything away from the accomplishment uh, or the way they played yesterday. Agreed. They were terrific defensively. It was incredible. But but it was not that kind of defensive ass kicking, the dominant defensive performance, uh, or nothing of the, the Steelers, the Bears, the Ravens, where you're stuffing everything that they do. Looked more like a team that was lost on the offensive side of the ball, that had no real idea of what they wanted to do or when or how they wanted to do it. They looked confused. They looked like they were totally unprepared for anything and everything the Patriots threw at them. And again, they never changed anything up. We never saw any of the things that we're used to seeing them do. We never saw them use anything over the middle. We never saw, you know, quick breaking slants to Robert Woods. Uh, we didn't see any, one throw to Gurley that I can remember uh, for no game. Right. We just didn't see it. Now, they, you can't take everything away. I'm sorry. No defense can take everything away. They didn't attempt to run anything to combat what New England was doing. You know, when you see pressure, the ball's got to get out quicker. It didn't. All the throws were late. Even the throws he completed seemed late. 
They needed to adjust by getting the ball out sooner. Short, quick hitters, you know, against the linebackers, you know, with the backs, against the linebackers with the tight end, the wide receivers, okay, against the zone, finding spots in the zone, against against um, you know, against the uh, the zone coverage that they drop back in which you're not used to. It's almost like they were caught by surprise that New England played so much zone instead of their usual man-to-man where they where they pressed the wide receivers at the line. It just seemed like that. There was no, there was no counterpunch. It was never there, and that's all on the back of this supposed genius coach. And you're not in a game where you need to be throwing thirty-five plus times. It's three-three. You can run the ball. You can hold the ball. Exactly. They played at many points where you'd swear New England was up by three scores, and they needed to make something happen. It was. It was baffling the way that their offense was unable to find answers and people are going to say he he, it's it he seemingly was calling a desperate game when there was no need for it right and people will say well this was sean mcveigh's first super bowl this was jared goff's first super bowl and right it was however Tom Brady played in the Super Bowl early in his career. It was Nick. It was Nick Foles' Super Bowl, first Super Bowl, wasn't it? I think Nick Foles did okay in his Super Bowl. Good. I want to say a Ben Roethlisberger had a well enough time early in his career in the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson did okay in in his first Super Bowl. There's more than enough examples of young quarterbacks rising to the challenge of the Super Bowl and winning it. Not to say that we should expect the highest and best praise from a quarterback and coach, but give us something. And there were just points in the game where you shook your head. There was one third and two or a third and short. Goff rolls out of the pocket. He's got Van Noy from the Patriots running toward him full speed. And instead of throwing the football away, I don't know if he thought he was sunshine from Remember the Titans, and he was going to lower his shoulder and flip this dude or be able to spin around him or what his mindset was. It's a one-on-one type deal, and we've seen like Russell Wilson be able to spin out of that or somebody that's a little bit more agile, but he's taking this guy one-on-one, and he gets flattened to his knees so quickly, in fact, I thought like maybe he had sidestepped him and was fine, and oh no, he went right down to his knees. Times to throw the ball away, he did not. Times to just like throw it into the foot of your running back just to save field goal range or something. He did not. To not get into the red zone, Al. All game. I mean, you could just throw the ball up for grabs and get a pass interference and find yourself in the red zone. Preposterous to think that this high-flying Rams defense could be held in check as perfectly as they were by this New England defense which for most of the regular season was, boy, that's going to be their Achilles heel. Who knows if they'll get the right stops? And granted, they had a lot of injuries that they battled throughout the season. Everything came together in the end. And Sean McVay, this prodigy, this I have a photographic memory and can remember lineups and plays. Well, Sean, remember this one. And the big thing for me, and and this was brought up on sports radio today too as something confusing in a sense as a coach Tom Brady has the football at his own one yard line at the end of the first half 10 seconds to go the Rams have two timeouts he can knee the ball once he's going to lose that yard and end up having to do something for the next we're going to kill the clock because if he knees it again it's a safety Sean McVay heads into the locker room with those two timeouts like he's going to cash them in for tickets at the Chuck E. Cheese Call a timeout. You have the best inside line in football. Who knows what's going to happen on this next play? They have to do something else. They can't knee the ball. They're either going to have to run it, have Brady do one of his sneaks. Do you really think you're going to give up a 99-yard touchdown in that spot when the team's just trying to get to halftime? Just try it. He goes into the half with the two timeouts. That was a recurring theme today from a lot of avenues. Uh, from the simple mindset of, uh, you know, you got the timeouts, 
never not use them. As long as you've got some opportunity to use them, why leave them in your pocket? Because you, you know, you use them or lose them. And I can certainly see the logic behind it because, you know, they're not going to throw the ball. Uh, they're not going to look to make a big play. Uh, if you call a timeout, you know, by, oh, we, they're, they're extending the half. Let's take advantage. They're just looking to get in and make sure nothing bad happens. And, you know, once you do take one knee, you've got to do something else because you you have no room left. So at least you make Brady put his head down and get into the line. You never know. You might have a fumbled snap. Uh, you hand the ball off to Burkhead. Uh, you might have Aaron Donald bust through, get him for safety. So there are possibilities, albeit very, very remote. Right. But, but unless still. you give yourself an opportunity to make those possibilities happen, they go from very remote to non-existent. So you close the door on something funky happening uh, because the best player on the field, remember, is still 99. And between he and Sue, you know, you never know. And every once in a while, something goofy happens, i.e. a 99-yard interception return on the last play of the first half to result in simply, I still think probably the most, despite the catches that we've seen, uh, you know, David Tyree at all, probably the most extraordinary play in Super Bowl history. You know, the James Harrison 99-yard right. return, which if he, if he goes down, if he runs out of gas, not that he ever would because he's a freak, all right, uh, somebody catches him. Somebody bumps him out of bounds. He trips. His own, line, his own guy blocking him slows him down, stumbles. And as he, as he stumbled his way down those sidelines, all right, he manages to go 99 yards where if he goes 98, it's worthless because the half is over. And he finally gets caught just as he crosses the end zone and or just as he crosses the goal line into the end zone for a 99 yard touchdown. Um, something probably equally improbable, if not more so, but still, you never know. And you eliminate the opportunity for that remote possibility to happen by heading into the locker room with two timeouts in your back pocket. And to slowly Not tie the bow. a day that Sean McVay will put down in his ledger no. as one of my all-time no. great coaching jobs. No. This, this is a day that you can mostly forget, Sean, with the photographic memory. You can mostly forget what the Rams did. Try to remember what the Patriots did, though, because it was a clinic. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. To me, it was, I, I know people say a lot about what Bill Belichick did as the D coordinator for the Giants with Bill Parcells. To me, this, in my lifetime or in my memory, this is tops, to hold that team to three points and to really kind of put the game out of reach in a game that was 3-3. It, it was unbelievable. And it's something that moving forward for these two teams, you have a Rams team that has so much money now invested in what it deems its most important players. Well, one of those is Todd Gurley. Eh, not the best performance in the Super Bowl. One of those is Aaron Donald. You remember his name getting called out much in Super Bowl 53? I think he had maybe one quarterback rush. Granted, the Patriots were obviously, 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 obviously king. Put everything aside, but you need something in a game of that magnitude. And heading into the game, everybody was like, he'll get double teamed, triple teamed. He'll still find a way. Nope. Another guy you've got a lot of money invested in, Brandon Cooks. Two opportunities to have touchdowns, and they weren't gimmies in any sense of the word, but hey. They were tough catches, but this is winning this game is about making big plays. Exactly. You must make big plays to win championships. Gronk makes the big play, a nice catch on, on a terrific throw, but still a nice catch. Cooks has a chance to make two big plays. He makes neither one. I say you got to make the first one 
Second one was tough. Arm got pulled. But, you know, get up there and get that ball. And the first one's got to be caught. First one has got to be caught. That is a touchdown. It's got to be 7-3. And, again, this is about who is going to come up big in the most important spots. And the Patriots did. The Rams came up incredibly small. And they never did anything to really, again, adjust to what the Patriots were doing. Uh, And it really is incredibly surprising, uh, very disappointing, because I thought this was going to be an outstanding football game. And even though it was close and competitive, it was anything but because of the way, not the Patriots, they, they did their part. They moved the ball, but because the Ram defense played so well, yeah, they they did they, their they part. Kept them from fin- they kept them from finishing drives. They kept them out of field goal territory, whether it was uh, you know, either by coming up big on uh, you know a third and short, causing a penalty, you know, all resulting in repeated punts. You know, they got off the field. There weren't a lot of three and outs against the Patriots offense, but there was enough that had they gotten a little help from their offense, obviously they would have played even better because they wouldn't have been on the field the whole game. And I think they just ran out of gas uh, in the last drive for the fuel to make a 13-3. A couple of big runs, uh, one early on the first play from, you know, backed up uh, where they double teamed Donald and, no linebacker to make a play, no defense back to make a play. Next thing you know, uh, they're down in field goal range and it's game set match. Uh, it was just, I, I just found it incredibly surprising, uh, an incredible disappointment, just a huge letdown from the expectations. Like I said, I did not expect 45, 41 because remember, this is a Ram offense that has not been nearly as effective. Okay, the last third quarter of the season kind of coinciding with Gurley being nicked up. And they were not that impressive against the Saints. But Goff came up big when it mattered. And he made big plays. And he made big throws. And in the heat of a brutal building to play in, with unbelievable crowd noise, he kept his composure and he led his team to a victory, regardless of what you think of of, of what happened in the last couple of minutes. And I didn't see the same player. I didn't see any of the same kind of uh, calm, any of the same kind of uh, organization and uh, confidence under fire that we saw against the Saints. I saw an offense that looked continually... Uh, and repeatedly uh, discombobulated. And it never really got into any kind of uh, a- a- any kind of rhythm or any, any kind of consistency at all. Whereas, you know, th- again, th- the Patriots' offense still had a rhythm to it. It had some consistency right. to it. You know, time after time they would move the ball, but the Rams defense would come up big when they had to. Right. Yeah, they had some three and outs, but they had those stops that you normally don't see against. They stopped them on third and eight. They stopped them on third and five. They stopped them on third and seven. They stopped them on third and eight. Good tackle. Good pressure on Brady. Just the one sack, but good pressure up the middle, making him throw the ball before he wanted to throw it, you know, which is what you want to do with it. Make him get rid of it early. Don't give him the time to find Edelman over the middle. Make that ball, and you. what did you have? You, so you had throws where guys had not broken open because the ball had to come out earlier. So you saw balls get deflected. You saw balls that weren't that accurate because he was throwing the ball before he wanted to. And that was all part of Wade Phillips' scheme, which was brilliant, and kudos to their defense. But the offense simply did not hold up their end of the bargain. What's been fascinating about the Patriots and what will always be is nine Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick. Three total points scored in the first quarters of those nine Super Bowls. It's almost like they sort of wait and see what you're going to do 
they're content with just holding the ball, running out the clock, seeing what you're going to do defensively and offensively, and then make the adjustments in the second quarter and in halftime to be successful. And that's exactly what we saw in Super Bowl 53. For you as the Rams to have the balls to defer to start the game, to give Tom Brady the football, and then on his first pass, intercept it, where he went to release the ball and had an oh shit moment of, they're not playing man, they're playing zone, and it was picked, and it was like, let's go. To quote Tom Brady, of course, nothing. Then they punt for the first, for the first time in the first quarter. God knows how long it's been since they've had a punt. Then Gostowski misses a field goal. Everything was lining up for you to take an early advantage, for you to get the upper hand to start the game, and the Rams' offense did nothing. Honestly, at that point, you could have changed the channel because that was it. For me, it's going to take the Rams winning the Super Bowl, really, for me to have any faith or trust in the Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Rams experiment because this was the game. You had plenty of time to be prepared for it. You had plenty of time to know who on the Patriots was going to get the football. They didn't try anything different. We didn't hear from Hogan. We didn't hear from Dorsett. We didn't hear from Patterson. It was throw the ball to Edelman, throw the ball to Gronk. James White. James White. Nothing. Nothing. No factor whatsoever. Nothing. Nothing. They did the same game plan the entire football game, and the Rams had no overall answer for it. As we mentioned, Wade Phillips did a fantastic job. It almost seemed like he said, we'll let Edelman beat us, but that's going to be it. And you only allow 13 points? Hey, he did his job. Sean McVay in the offense and Jared Goff did not. And it's, it's going to be very hard for me to get faith in that again after what we saw this first time around. And, 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 and there's success stories of coming back after you have an awful performance like this. We understand that. But it's going to take a while because it was that and it's not going to get it's not going to get any easier. Right. You know how many times you have heard it as a young man. And I have heard it far too many times, not far too many times, but too many times to count as an old man. You think you're going back. It's hard to get back. Just go ask Dan Marino. He never got back. And it's not going to get any easier in the NFC. It's only going to get tougher. Everybody's going to be better next year. Dallas is going to be just as good. Philly's going to be back. You You figure the Giants can't be any worse. Minnesota's got to get better with all the talent they have. You know Green Bay's going to be better. The Bears are on the rise. And in your own division, all right, in your own division, San Francisco's going to be better with their quarterback healthy. Seattle's always there with their wonderful quarterback. The Cardinals have got to get better. All right? and, <laughs> you and, hope. And, and down south, you've got the ever-present Saints. Right. You've, got, you've got Carolina, which you think – at least we hope we'll have a healthy, you know, Cam I am Newton and be right back at the next. Um, so, and then, then obviously the host of the Super Bowl, uh, who had a hideous year, you know, but still a, a very talented team, you know, in, in the Falcons. Uh, so the NFC is loaded with talent, loaded. So coming back to the Super Bowl again, in the coming year, it's going to be no easy task. Right. And there, the Los there's, Angeles Rams. there's so many moving pieces that the Rams could face next year. There's a lot of free agents. There's a lot of money, as we mentioned, into only three to four of their main players. And, hey, Jared Goff eventually is going to have to get his NFL quarterback payday. Uh, the window to win in the National Football League, as you know, is very slim. This might the have window, been the, Rams the window is open. The window is open when you are there. Right. They put everything into this season, all in with a young Sean McVay and a young Jared Goff, and it didn't happen. So we don't know. Uh, Sean McVay is only thirty-three years old. You would think he'll be okay as far as getting back to the playoffs, but we don't know whether it's going to be with this Los Angeles Rams team and this quarterback and Jared Goff. A lot of questions for the Rams, not so much for the Patriots. 
we're still here, as they would say. I'm not sure who didn't think they would be. That's been a, a, a humorous narrative to this as well. Of Everybody doubted us. Again, they, they still did this on Sunday With and today. With a bevy of draft picks coming. I, yeah. think they have 12, I think they have 12 picks. I think they'll be okay. And for the doubters, wherever they may be, uh, another year to try and say that this is the last of the New England Patriots. And yet, and yet another year in the hideous AFC East. Right. Exactly. You can go 79 and still make the postseason. We're con- still not continu- there yet, folks. Con- continually, you know, look, not to their, not their fault, but, you know, just that they're the worst division in football year after year. Right. So let's make it a little easier. Real quick to the National Basketball Association. We have like two minutes. So I'll just pose you this simple question. Do you think the Lakers should trade everyone on the Lakers for Anthony Davis? Not everyone on the Lakers. It's looking like it's going to be Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, maybe Alonzo Ball. Uh, a quick history lesson for you. The Lakers traded for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, three players uh, who were high, high, high round draft picks. Brian Winters from uh, Archbishop Malloy here in the city, who was an All-American at South Carolina. Junior Bridgman, who was an All-American at Louisville. Right. David Myers, who was an All-American on the UCL national title teams. And I, I, I guess for lack of better term, a journeyman center was a solid NBA center by the name of Elmore Smith. Two of those players' jerseys are hanging in the rafters in Milwaukee. That would be Brian Winters and Junior Bridgman because they had long, excellent careers for the Bucs. David Myers retired after five years to spend time with his family. Surprise retirement. And Elmore Smith went about his way and played for a bunch of more teams. That was for Lou L. Cinder slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This is not Lou L. Cinder slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This is Anthony Davis. No championships, one playoff series victory in his NBA career. And yet they want to purge the franchise for him. I am not all for it. I would give up two of the young players. I would not give up all three. But then again, the response is going to be, well, you're going to hold the deal up for one of these guys? What exactly have they proven? I think the Lakers have a chance to be very good with a healthy LeBron James. The flip side of the coin is this. LeBron James just had the worst injury of his career in terms of games missed, and LeBron James is not getting any younger. So how long are you going to wait to bring in another star to play with LeBron James? Because his window is closing. I like the idea of all these young guys around him and bring in one more guy this summer in free agency. The problem is you have no guarantee that that guy will come. We'll see. As the saying goes, I'm a little iffy on trading your team for one player, especially when that player is Anthony Davis. But we'll see. I, I think it'll get to the point where the Pelicans are just too wishy-washy about the whole thing and the Thursday deadline passes and nothing happens and we'll have to wait till 2020 to see if he wants to come to the Lakers. Though he has said if he does get traded, he's more than willing to sign a long-term deal with whatever team gets him. So there's that to ponder. But to me, it's rough to give away a young team that as a Lakers fan over the past several years, it's like, okay, we're getting some chemistry here. We're seeing some I'm getting some excited flashes. about these guys. Yeah. I'm getting excited about these guys. And you're just going to get rid of them all. Yeah, that's, that's rough. That's rough. At least to me. We'll see. We'll see what we have to say next week. Alice, always a pleasure. Pleasure breaking down what was the worst Super Bowl in my lifetime with you. And... Now is the fun part for us as a sports talk show, trying to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about for the next three or four months. Aside from well, we can, o- we, can o- we can only talk about the uh, top 100, the, the all-time 100 commercial, which was off the charts. One of the best Super it Bowl commercials incredible. in history. Agreed. So incredibly well-made and great to see the, uh, the, the, the only true GOAT, Jim Brown, at the table. Uh, I thought that was an incredible commercial. And, you know, folks, we hope you enjoyed the game more than we did. Now it's on to Harper and Machado. Gentlemen, find a home. New report, old report.
My man, John Tiny Lund. I am Albert Otto, a.k.a. Health from White Plains. Talk to you all next week. Be care, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.